Hello, Erica. Hi. I was waiting for you to say hello to me, but oh damn, I'll, I'll keep on waiting. I did that we, last we should week. take turns, shouldn't we? Okay, no. it's my turn. Hello, Erica. Hi, Sean. Lovely to see you this morning. So good to see you. <laughs> we um, we are talking about something which might seem a little bit strange. Hibernation. See, I, I've never lived in a country where things properly hibernate. Oh. Actually, that's not true. Things hibernate in Tasmania, don't they? I, I, they should. They <laughs> don't. Nothing hibernates in Brisbane. No. I think only deciduous trees hibernate. They go, well, when am I meant to lose my leaves? This is ridiculous. We have many different interests in our house, but my youngest is the nature nut. He knows stuff about animals that you would think is unknowable. And my father, who is like... I grew up in Africa and I've travelled around, you know, these countries and I've seen animals and I know animals. We'll be having a conversation and my youngest, who's 10, will go, no, 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 Grandad, it, it's this. And he'll go, really? I'll say, don't question him. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. It's true. I know it seems wrong, but he'll come and find the book and he'll show you. He just knows everything about animals. It's very cool. So we find ourselves watching David Attenborough nature documentaries and there's this, oh my goodness, there's, what's it called? Our Planet, which is the most luxuriant nature documentary. It's so beautifully produced. And we were watching one um, over the weekend that was that really rainy, cold Saturday. Actually, it wasn't rainy. It was just stupidly cold. It should have been rainy because that would have been a good excuse not to go outside. <laughs> I did not go outside. I did not leave the fire. I just sat there. I think I got out of my pyjamas. That was quite good. But um, <laughs> it was one of those days where you do very, very little. And at one point, Sim says, Dad, can we watch a nature documentary? I'm like, yes, we can. This is the day. And so we're watching it. And just to help me warm up, where do we go but Siberia? <laughs> hmm. I can't imagine any more inhospitable place and this beautiful shot of the forest from above. And as you look down on the Siberian forests in the middle of winter, there is no leaves on any of the trees. They are all bare and the ground is just pristine white, covered in deep, deep snow. And the beautiful David Attenborough's voice comes over the top and he says... Winter in Siberia. These days are short and sunshine is not, you know, oh, I can't remember the words exactly because <laughs> I'm not David Attenborough. But basically, these days are short and there is very little sunshine. At times like this, the best one can hope to do is survive. And it stopped me right there and I thought, the best we can hope to do is survive. And it was this massive parallel with the way things are going at the moment, you know, in many ways, it feels like springtime, not weather-wise, because it's still cold. Yeah. I had to put my puffer jacket on to drive to work this morning. But it feels like things are reopening, like new life is beginning, restrictions are easing, and it feels as though we should be getting stuff done and starting new adventures and moving forward and progressing and doing different things. But what are we here in the last 48 hours? We've got another case in Tasmania. We look at the news and Victoria is going out of control. Your mum lives in Florida, doesn't she? She does. It's Hello, Erica's mum. <laughs> I'm sorry you live in a place where there's like 12,000 new cases a day. So having grown up in South Africa, I look at the news and I see just the catastrophic growth of the virus in Africa and through Latin America. And we can't help but have this sense of dread, fear, this overwhelming sense that all is profoundly not right in the world. And I think deep inside of us that evokes this emotional winter and this almost a, an emotional and a cognitive space where actually it's not springtime inside of me. Mm. I'm looking at this and, 
and I was in an email conversation with someone yesterday and she was saying, I need to pull out of this and I need to stop that and regrettably I can't do this because what if it comes back or when it comes back and things get shut down again, I can't continue with that. And so people are pulling back, feeling guilty because it feels like the world is going on but, but for a lot of people internally, there's this real pullback as people are scared and they're going into the survival mode. There is a lot of fear, I think, and and you're right. We are so incredibly fortunate when we look around at, at the way that we're able to live and the options and the opportunities that we have, and then you look outside and you think there is this cognitive dissonance, right? You hear one thing and we're seeing another, and our I think our minds and our bodies don't know exactly what to do with that. No, and so we err on the side of, of caution, mm. I think, naturally. And I think a lot of this plays into our expectations of ourselves and other people. And I think we, we always tend to set our expectations high, no matter how difficult the circumstances are. And I think of the situation at the moment and yesterday, the wonderful Tony Brennan, the actual director of mission. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he shared a quote with me and it really resonated. It's a Richard Raw quote. And he said, unrealized expectations are resentments waiting to happen unrealized expectations are resentments waiting to happen Mm. and so often in situations like this we have these certain expectations about what i will achieve today what we will be able to do what my team will be able to you know forge into this new space but in reality those expectations might not be entirely realistic you know it, it reminds me of when we had babies and toddlers at home Thankfully, not anymore. Oh, that's hard work. <laughs> and I remember I would get home from work and Yvonne staying at home with the, the kids. She would just be completely at her wits end after chasing babies and toddlers around all day. And I'd say, how was your day? You know, I've just got home. I <laughs> had a really positive day, you know, working as a psychologist. Patients had done really well. I was really upbeat. And she was just completely at her wit's end she'd say Sean I got nothing done (laughs) and the house would be a write-off because that's what happens in that time of life and we'd look around and we'd say the boys are happy they're healthy they've survived you've had a successful day you know you've facilitated life to continue (laughs) in the mad fray of this home situation and at times like that we need to change our expectations to say actually just surviving today is a really wonderful outcome in the emergency department, that framework exists already. And so people will ask at the end of a shift, you know, how was your day? And I think some point pretty early on in your training, you learn that if nobody died, it was a good day. Okay. <laughs> so you Just, set the bar really low. You set the bar so low that you can trip over it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're setting yourself up for success. Hang on. Are you saying we should be pessimists? Is that what I'm hearing? I'm just telling you to lower your expectations. Uh, <laughs> How about tell me to have appropriate (laughs) expectations? Yeah. And I think at the moment, there's the sense that our grandiose optimism is in hibernation. Mm. And we just need to recognise that and give ourselves permission to set our expectations appropriately to that. And for every one of us at different levels, that plays out differently. You know, when you're on on the coal face dealing with patients, that shift in expectation is that after a day, I'm actually going to be quite frazzled and I need to care for myself, not come home and think, right, what are those things I have to achieve? But just give ourselves space to be kind to ourselves and recover. You know, For those of us who lead departments and groups, we need to be kind to our teams and we need to set goals 
to maintain and to nurture rather than to push the boundaries and shape things. And I think to remind each other to be kind mm. and be gentle. We, we bang on about kindness, don't we? We do. We do. We do. Kindness is important, Sean. That's why we bang on about it. But we really bang on about it. It must be really important. <laughs> it is, in fact. I actually think I agree with you. Kindness is very important. So perhaps as we think about setting those expectations, when we reflect on that, we often set expectations with an outcome focus. So we're always looking at what are we going to achieve? What's going to be the end result of this? And often the end result is nebulous and hard to pin down. And the only appropriate way to set an expectation is how we manage the journey trying to get to that process. My brother, who's also one of these wise, wise people, he loves his woodwork as I do and he's actually quite skilled whereas I probably am not as skilled as he is that's for sure but he said Sean you know I used to say this is a project I want to get this done today and he'd go into the workshop and he'd be working and he'd be really pushing hard to try and get to that point at the end of the day and at the end of the day being you know covered in in wood shavings and having done these wonderful things and spent the day doing the stuff that he loves he'd be frustrated because he hadn't reached the point that he wanted to and who knows how long it's going to take to make something in the workshop. It, it's a law unto itself. It dictates how long things take. And, you know, we might be doing the work, but we do not control the flow of, of what happens. And he said, Sean, I just had to change my expectation that I don't say I'm going to get X, Y, Z done today, but I say I'm going to spend this long in the workshop and I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to keep my tools sharp and I'm going to do things without taking shortcuts. And actually... I need to trust in the authenticity of my process and I'll get the outcome when the outcome comes. But for me, what's important is honouring the process of doing it the right way and not being so bogged down on the actual outcome. So it's not lowering our expectations as we were kind of joking about before. Mm. It's refocusing, right? It's learning to appreciate the process instead of looking towards that end goal. That's right, because often the end goal is based on a naive conceptualization of what the end's going to be but we haven't yet gone through the journey mm. so we don't know what the end's going to look like you know what amuses me is often i'll be called into a, a situation with a patient um for example in your very department i got called in late one night oh boy. and i came in and staff said to me sean we need to transfer this patient to st john's and she's really distressed and unhappy about it and doesn't want to go can you please just calm her down and then get her to st john's very clear outcome, right? This is the outcome we want. Go get them, tiger. <laughs> and I said, ha, huh, I'll go in there and we'll open up the space and we'll see what happens. And I went in and we opened up the space and I spent a lot of time with her talking through you know, what was going on for her. But there's this sense that we need to get this outcome. What can we throw at the problem to get the outcome mm. we want? As opposed to what can we do to care for this person? and see what the best outcome will end up being. Now, you said something about emergency medicine to me last time we spoke, and I was trying to remember the phrase in my head, and I couldn't. I speak about how things will declare themselves. Declare themselves, yeah. Right? So that's very much at the heart of emergency medicine, and I've adapted it, I think, to try and incorporate it into the rest of my life. The notion that just with a little bit of time and with appreciation and stepping back a bit, Things will declare themselves. So in the current situation, when it feels like spring, but there's winter in our hearts, mm. things will declare themselves. But we don't have to push ourselves so hard to achieve the way we would have when, when everything was rosy five months ago. 
But was everything rosy five months ago? <laughs> Probably not. No, be gentle and kind and with a little bit of time and a little bit of compassion, things will declare themselves. Thanks, Erica. Thank you, Sean.